Good morning. Welcome to Green Tree Community Church. All of you that are seated, all of you that are hanging out in the back hallway. All y'all that are outside that you're coming in, I know you can hear me because the speakers are on. Hurry up. We're starting. <laughs> I've wanted to do that ever since I've watched this building go up. Now, uh, um, one of our members was sitting out there in the first service and he fell asleep and so I woke him up. And it, that was really that was really good too. Good morning. My name is Tom Ricks. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree. Welcome to our first Sunday in our new home. It's great to have everybody here today. I'm, I'm only going to pick on one group of people real quick, but our, our next door neighbors from the Unity Baptist Church have uh, joined us this morning. If you're from Unity Baptist, would you stand up so we could welcome you? In just a few minutes, uh, as during the worship service, you're going to hear from a variety of different people, one of whom is uh, Pastor Ed Spiller from the Unity Baptist Church, and he just leaned over and whispered in my ear, and he said, I've got an hour, right? And I said, whatever you think the <laughs> Lord wants you to do, uh, you do. But the chairs are comfortable, so they really can't complain anymore. Uh, we, we wanted to start off this morning by focusing uh, our attention solely on the Lord Jesus and on his glory and on his majesty. And one of the very best thinkers that America's ever produced, but one of the very best pastors America's ever produced, was uh, an uh, 18th century pastor named Jonathan Edwards. And we're actually going to start with his words this morning, uh, but I've, I've, I've called Jonathan, asked if he could come out of retirement and actually share with his life. So it's when he was young, uh, but actually one of our folks is going to come. Listen carefully to the words of Jonathan Edwards as we begin to focus our hearts and our minds on the Lord Jesus. But Christ Jesus has true excellency, and so great excellency that when they come to see it, they look no further the mind rests there. It sees a transcendent glory and an ineffable sweetness in him. It sees that till now it has been pursuing shadows, that now it has found the substance, that before it has been seeking happiness in the stream, but that now it has found the ocean. The excellency of Christ is an object adequate to the natural cravings of the soul and is sufficient to fill the capacity. It is an infinite excellency, such and one as the mind desires, in which it can find no bounds. And the more the mind is used to it, the more excellent it appears. Every new discovery makes this beauty appear more ravishing, and the mind sees no end. Here is room enough for the mind to go deeper and deeper and never come to the bottom. The soul is exceedingly ravished when it first looks upon this beauty and is never weary of it. The mind never has any satiety, but Christ's excellency is always fresh and new and tends as much to delight after it has been seen a thousand or ten thousand years as when it was seen the first moment. That's a pretty tough act to follow. 
Good morning. My name is Craig Kanatsi, and uh, it's my honor this morning to pray for us. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for this beautiful place. And we just I'd just like to step back just for a moment, Lord, and thank you for the provision that you have given us, the blessings that you have given us the last 17 years as a church. All the various places that we have worshipped in Kirkwood, you have provided. Our church home at North, which has been a wonderful place for the last 17 years, in particular the Bulldog Cafe, the memories and blessings that have occurred in that room. Scott was correct last week when he said that is truly sacred ground. Thank you for all the kids that have learned about you in that in those classrooms at North. Thank you that an old suburban and trailer hung together long enough, Lord, as long as we needed it to. God, this morning we just sit here in this beautiful gift that you've given us. It it's just amazing, and we're just thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness for us, Lord. God, I would just pray that for protection, physical protection on this building, that, that you would make us good stewards of this building, that every person that walks through the door of this building is welcome and loved. For 17 years, Lord, you have led us on a journey. And there have been a few twists and turns in that journey. But, Lord, you've always provided. You've always had a better plan. And, Lord, we're sitting in one of your better plans this morning. God, I would pray that not one person in this room thinks that this journey is over. Actually, it's just starting. I would pray that this building and all of us would be kingdom builders, Lord. I would pray that this building and all of us would be a light to this community. I would just ask you, Lord, that we stay in lockstep with you and seek your guidance prayerfully in everything that we do as a church. Thank you again, Lord, for this beautiful place. But as awesome as this place is, as beautiful as it is, the gift that it is, it pales in comparison. The gift of your son. God, thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for taking our sins. We are a blessed people. We have a new church home, and we have a Savior. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
to us, but to your name be the glory, 
not to us, but to your name be the glory. Daryl Maney. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to greet you in the name of our Lord. If this is your first time, you just want to check out the building and the new neighbors in the neighborhood, we want to welcome you warmly. If you've been here since the very first worship service, we want to welcome you and we welcome everybody 
uh, in between. We're, we're so glad uh, to be celebrating the goodness of the Lord this day and in this place. I've been on staff for about three months here. This is an exciting time to be a part of <laughs> this family. Uh, and we're, and we're, we're also very appreciative of the way you've welcomed me and my, and, and my family. And it's so good to be a part of something that's so obviously a, a people that are about the mission of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the fact that he's given us a building, uh, but it's clear that we're not celebrating having arrived. We're celebrating the fact that God has given us a greater um, venue, a platform to continue to do gospel ministry, to reach out and to stand for um, the mercy of, of grace to us in Jesus Christ, and not just among us as a people, but, but in our neighbors. We're so glad to have Unity Baptist here, and we want that relationship to, to proclaim the goodness of God. God is in this place. He's working among his people, and we need to give him praise. Amen? Amen. And as I'm standing here, I look out these, these back windows. It looks out on the world. We're worshiping God. We want people to be able to see the goodness of God in our midst. And that's what we're going to do now, worship the Lord as we have this responsive reading from Psalm 111 where we're praising God for his goodness to us. And we want to remember that. We want to proclaim that to the world. So would you join me in worship now as we say this psalm together? I, I, the, the words I'll be saying are in regular print, but just you respond in the bold print. Let's praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. To be performed with faithfulness and uprightness, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Amen. We want to take some time now to have uh, the pastor from Unity Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Ed Spiller, come and welcome us to the, to the neighborhood. In reverence to the Almighty God, to the under shepherd of this flock and all clergy, you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Good morning. There is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it is the presence of the Lord. Over in Proverbs, uh, I think it's the third chapter, uh, about the fifth verse, it says, Trust in the Lord. Anybody in here? I said, Trust in the Lord. And it says, And lean not thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. All I've been hearing about is 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. I just want to tell you this. Our time is not God's time. 
Are you listening? God has a blessing with your name on it. And look around. Huh? But it took 17 years. Huh? And that's where trust comes in at. Trust. Trust God. Not, not your neighbor, not your sister, your brother. God. Put all your trust in God. And I, I want to encourage all the members of Green Tree, or shall I say friends and family, you, you follow Pastor Ricks as he followed God. Amen? You know, he is the under-shepherd of this flock. Follow him as he followed God. And you always trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding. And, and here's where people have a hard time at, in all thy ways. Not some. It says in all. Huh? In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And green tree, he will direct your path. Be blessed. Thank you. Love you. Good morning. My name's Debbie Holly, and I would like to speak to whoever put the order of worship together, please. <laughs> Tom Ricks asked me if I would come this morning and give a brief history of how this all came about, and probably because Tom and I were there at the beginning of, of the beginning of Green Tree, way back, way back in 1996. We were at a wedding one night with a bunch of people from Kirkwood, and as we began to talk, it became clear that all of us left Kirkwood on Sunday morning and went to church somewhere else. And so we began a, like, what-if conversation. What if there was a church in Kirkwood where we could worship with our friends and our families? What if we were part of that process? And over that summer, more and more people began to express interest in being part of a church-planting adventure, which is what it became. So in the fall of 1996, um, a group of families, children included, began to meet at Carl and Dolly Pence's house on Sunday nights, and we would have potluck, and we would have church planning. No one had ever planted a church. No one ever read a book on planting a church. I'm not sure what we did at those meetings, and we had prayer because nobody knew how to plant a church, so there was a lot of prayer. And um, it was determined at one point that we would hold our first worship service at Westminster um, Christian Academy on January 5th, 1997. I think that picture is up on the screen. You may see some familiar faces in that picture. There were about 35 adults and 25 children that showed up that morning. We didn't really have Sunday school, so we sent my husband Tom into the gym with all the kids, <laughs> aged 3 to 17. <laughs> That's the truth. This week I had fun knowing that I was asked to do this. I had fun going through the files of Green Tree's early years. And as I looked through the founding documents, I was surprised to see that some of the things that were written and some of the decisions that were made almost 20 years ago have actually become distinctive marks of this church today. I came across words and ideas that in hindsight have shaped its culture and its personality. In other words, they made Green Tree Green Tree. They made this church what it is today. I want to share just two of those things with you this morning as kind of an anecdotal history of Green Tree rather than spew a lot of facts and dates and figures. One of the original documents of the church is labeled distinctives. The steering committee listed elements 
which they hoped and prayed would one day be characteristics of this new little body, this new little, new little church called Green Tree. As you would expect, it contained spiritual elements like prayer and worship and discipleship and evangelism, which have always been the heartbeat of Green Tree. But there's another one that I want to highlight for you this morning. And it was labeled children and youth. And this is what it says. We intend to target our youth for special ministry. We will do that not just by hiring a youth leader and designing effective youth programs, but by building relationships with our friends' children. Our desire is not to separate them, but to integrate them into the full life of the church. When I read that little paragraph, I thought, wow, words really have power. The words in these dusty files that I had to search for really still have power because from day one, from the very first meeting at the Pence's house, Green Tree's children have been loved and welcomed. They have been precious to us. And the most precious thing that I found in the files was a two-page questionnaire that apparently we handed out to the kids at one of the early meetings at the Pence's house that asked them for their input on what makes a good Sunday school class. And if the Bingleys are here, I have all three of your boys filled out surveys, and you might like to see them. They apparently were big on candy and not so big on scripture memory. <laughs> but I can't help but think, thinking back on that, that these five-year-olds and eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds had to feel a part of what was going on and maybe even have a sense of ownership of this church that was even yet to be, that hadn't even met for formal worship yet. Um, but Green Tree's kids have been more than just loved and welcomed, they have become known. They have become known by us. They are in real relationship with the adults of this church. That's been really evident this morning as I've been here all morning. And I can't prove it, but I think it's always had something to do with donuts. <laughs> and I mean that seriously. I think that 15 years of the tradition of standing out in the hallways as a church family eating donuts with kids running around and trying to figure out whose kid belongs to who, after a while you get to know names and you get to build a relationship and we become friends with our kids' children, which is what the original founders hoped for. Obviously the beautiful new space out there is going to increase that opportunity and that experience a thousandfold going forward. So building relationships with our friends' children I think has been a true distinctive mark of Green Tree Church. There's one more I want to mention this morning. The second document I found in the file, which I think had an impact on the long-term culture of the church, was the original handwritten version of Green Tree's first mission statement. And it reads as follows, to know Jesus Christ, to serve him in joyful obedience, and to make him known. I remember the night, for some reason, that we voted on that at the Pence's house. And Scott Holly was there, and he insisted that we add the word joyful to the mission statement. And once again, as I think about it, I think those the words in those dusty files have had power. Because from the very beginning of this church, from the first days of this church, there has been a joy in the congregation. There has been a joy in serving in this church. There has been a joy in getting to know each other. The work that we did early on was energizing. The people in the core group were excited about what the Lord was doing in our midst. And, and we actually had a lot of fun together. 
um, early on, sometimes after worship service on Sunday, the whole church would head out to Rick and Ellen McBride's house. They had horses, and we would just kind of eat lunch, and the kids would ride horses all afternoon. Another thing we did, which I think you all know, early on, for some reason, we built a Rose Bowl quality float to put in the Green Tree Parade. We worked on it for months in the Parham's driveway. Kids, adults, everybody built this float. And it was the most fun thing. The amazing thing was not a single person in the church had given thought to what we were going to do with that 40-foot-long, 13-foot-high float when the parade was over. And there were 30 men just looking at each other in the parking lot of the community center like, oh, my gosh. Nobody had any idea. Fast forward 18 years, and last week Tom Ricks asked my husband Tom and I to come over um, for a tour of the building. And as we walked through the building, we ran into staff, and we ran into youth leaders and people direct decorating their Sunday school classes and workmen and, and uh, everybody getting this building ready for what was going to happen this week and what was going to happen today. And when Tom and I left the building, we looked at each other, and we both had something to say. And it was amazing because we had exactly the same word. We both said, there's so much joy in that building. It was contagious. It was life-giving to walk around this building. That joy that we had prayed for at the very beginning that we put in that mission statement, thank you, Scott Holly, um, had flown down seven, 17 years um, down to this congregation today a true distinctive and a wonderful distinctive of Green Tree Church. In closing, let me say this. Tom and I were at North Middle School last week when Scott mentioned in his sermon that people were worried that this move would change Green Tree. And I get that. Um, but then Scott said that, in fact, he assured us, in fact, that Green Tree is going to change. It must change or the church isn't going to grow. But I would also say to you this morning that there are some things, there are some precious things, that have come over time and become marks of this church, distinctives and characteristics of this church. And my prayer is that you would recognize them, that you would treasure them, that you would protect them, and that you would hand them down to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. May God bless this next wonderful chapter of Green Tree Community Church. Thank you. Amen. And part of that joy is um, what we're about to do next. My name is Eric Van Zee, and I'm one of the pastors um, here at Green Tree. And um, coming to this table is one of my favorite things. Um, and it's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Um, Jesus uh, commanded us to do it, and I think part of that was for the, us to remember what he has done and to celebrate what he has done. Um, so for me, um, I know and continue, I'm learning how much of a sinner I am. Um, I'm learning more and more about my pride, my unbelief, how I don't love others as I should. Um, for those of you who've been around me, you might know that. Um, to my staff, my family, uh, um, the students I work with. But we also, um, we also celebrate um, the fact that um, we're a whole lot worse off than we think we are, but we're a whole lot more loved than we ever dreamed or imagined. And this is a taste, and we get to see, and we get to um, smell um, these elements uh, as a picture of the gospel. It's good news. 
as we were just talking about as far as the joy, that's where the joy comes from. It's the good news. And here at Green Tree, we celebrate the centrality of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. We have a great sin, but we have even a bigger Savior who has come and who has died for us. And he has done a remarkable thing. And so we worship him today. This table is for um, is not just for Green Tree members or those that, um, uh, but anybody that is a professing believer in Jesus Christ. You've put your trust in Jesus. And so we want to welcome you to it this morning. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, we would encourage you to do that even this morning. Call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we would encourage you to participate in this meal. And if not, um, that you would let the elements pass. And we want to continue to pray for you um, as God continues to show you his love and who he is and what he has done for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this picture of the gospel. This is good news. Father, continue to show us our sin, but continue to show us more and more of you and what you have done. We give you glory. We give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. If the servers would please come forward. As far as way of instructions, um, we are going to remain seated. Um, for this, you will be served. Um, there's a gluten-free option underneath. And um, while we are seated, we are going to sing. We're going to worship. And, um, but if you wouldn't mind holding on to the bread and the cup, and we'll all partake together.
Dear Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this remembrance. We thank you for this celebration. 
We give you glory for what you have done. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's you stand and sing that last chorus again. And if you wouldn't mind passing your cups to the side. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Take a minute and greet those around you. Again, we're glad all of you are worshiping with us this morning. Uh, if you don't mind, if you're seated on the outside of the aisles, you look under your chair, you'll find for some of you the familiar attendance books, for others of you, uh, the new attendance books. If you don't mind uh, signing your name and letting us know you're here today, uh, we would love to be able to uh, just keep up with each other, keep track of each other, know how to pray for each other. So as that book is going by, not only jot your name down, if you have a prayer request, you can put that in there. If you have a change of address or new information, you can jot that down as well. Uh, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much. Uh, we're very humbled and honored that you would be uh, taking your time to be with us today. If you have questions about Green Tree and you would like to know more about our ministries or you would like one of our staff members to contact you as the book's coming by, just let us know how you would like us to reach out, whether it's email or a phone call or a home visit, whatever it may be, and we will make sure uh, that we get back in touch with you. But we're glad that all of you are here with us this morning. Uh, just a couple of brief announcements before we get to our teaching time, although we've had some great teaching so far. Um, the uh, actual ribbon cutting to this building, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, is going to be uh, on Wednesday of this week at noon here at the building. Uh, and I, I don't know where Eric Stream has gotten off to. Eric's in the back. Eric's cutting the ribbon on Wednesday at noon. That's been the easiest choice I've had to make in this whole deal. <laughs> Who should cut the ribbon? It's like, Eric, that just, that just goes without saying. So, uh, but that's open to all of us. If you have time on Wednesday and you're in the neighborhood, please stop by and join us for that. I uh, also want to mention that uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, as we worship together, we typically give our offerings and our tithes as we're coming in or going out. You may have noticed the churches in the back of the room, little model churches. There's one over on the left and on the right. Uh, and so we typically drop in our gift as we're coming or going, uh, and we don't pass the plate during the service. But next Sunday, 
we are going to take a special offering. We have a, uh, a sister church and a couple of, of missionaries, Rob and Tundi Fudo, that we support uh, who live in Hungary. And as you've been watching, the, if you watch the news at all in the last month or so, you've noticed uh, the stories about the flood of immigrants leaving the Middle East, trying to survive uh, all the terror that's going on there. And uh, literally millions of people have been streaming into Eastern Europe, Central Europe. And so the Fudos have been overwhelmed with the need. And you can see some of the, the, the images on the screen there. And they are opening a new church work. Interestingly enough, next Sunday is going to be their first Sunday. Uh, so we've reached out to them. We support them. They're, they're our missionaries. We give to them annually. We've been ministry partners with them for a while. Uh, so we've said to them, we're going to take a special offering for you on Sunday the 11th, and we will get all that together, and then we'll get it in a, a cable or a wire, however we do that. The business guys will take care of that, and we will make sure that we get that gift to them. So I just want to give you a heads up on that next Sunday uh, and invite you to participate generously in that. Clearly the need is, is overwhelming, uh, but it's also an excellent opportunity for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Europe to share the gospel with folks who need to hear it. So, speaking of sharing the gospel, our study time this morning is going to be in the 19th chapter of the book of Luke. You can turn there in your Bibles, or you can watch on the screen, or on your touchpad, or your iPhone. Uh, I'm not going to read the scripture this morning, I usually do, but I've asked Karis Perona if she would please come and read the scripture for us today. Let me get out of your way so they can talk to you. Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it full, full. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the hou this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone. Be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we worship you with our hearts and our emotions this morning. We think about the, uh, the event, the moment at which we stand in the history of Green Tree Community Church and all of your blessings and all of your goodness. And it, it, was, it was more than right for us to sing, great is your faithfulness, God, because we rest in you. Lord, we pray now that as we come to worship you with our minds and our intellect, that you would open uh, our understanding, our knowledge. Pray that your word would speak truth into our lives. Father, we have not come here to hear the word of man. Uh, my opinion is not important. What is important is your eternal truth. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us, that you would help us to understand what you want to say to us today. Father, forgive me my sin. Please don't let me stand in the way of your word and your work and your will being done among us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I, at the end of the first service, about halfway through the, uh, the break time in between services, 
I saw Porter, uh, our business manager, was rushing by with a bucket and a mop. And I just breathed a huge sigh of relief for two reasons. One is that we finally spilled something, and we don't have to worry about it. And I wasn't the one that spilled it. So it really worked out great. Now, I will tell you before we begin that the sermon is going to be off a little bit this morning because we're in a new room, and you should have been thinking, where would this kind of be in the Bulldog Cafeteria so I can sit there and not mess with Tom's mind? But now you all are like, Peabody, what are you doing over there? You're supposed to be back on the right-hand side in the corner. And uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that are just kind of scattered. All McNeil's, you're supposed to be over there. What are you doing over there? I am so confused. Kat, you're about in the right place. Thank you very much. For, for, but I'm looking over your shoulder at Diana, who's clearly in the wrong row. You're supposed to be in the front over here where the Canassies are sitting. They're two rows off. So it's not my fault if this isn't any good. If you've ever wondered, does the pastor know whether I'm there or not? Yeah, we, we do. We do. New house. New smells. New paint. New screens. Technology actually works. You go into a new house, it, and, it, and it feels pretty amazing. And it would be easy for us to get focused on the house. And in one sense of the word, that's we, we should. We should praise God for this place and this building and this land and our, and our neighborhood and our, and our chance to grow in this place. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about the house, but it's about something much deeper. Let me give you the sermon in a sentence this morning. And this is, if you're visiting, this is what I typically do. Uh, not because I think my congregation is slow and they can't keep up, but so I make sure that I stay on task with what I believe God is uh, calling us to study. So in this particular morning, I believe what we're after out of Luke's uh, gospel, chapter 19, is that the hope in this house isn't in the structure, but it's in the Savior. The hope of this house is not in the structure, but it's in the Savior. What happens when Jesus comes to the house? That's what we're going to look at this morning, uh, because that's what he does with Zacchaeus. He comes to the house, and he presents himself as the Savior of the world, and he does so in a certain way, and he does so with a certain tone and a certain attitude that I think is important for us to grasp, not only for our own individual question of salvation, but also for us collectively as a group of disciples who are seeking to honor Jesus as we move forward. I have four observations about Jesus in this house. The first one is this. When Jesus is in the house, he knows your name. You may be here this morning thinking that I'm going to kind of sit in the back. I'm going to kind of sneak in, sneak out. I'm not going to talk to too many folks because I don't want to be noticed. I just kind of want to go quietly. And that might work with people. You may be able to get in and out, even as friendly as Green Tree is, you may be able to get in and out of here without being too noticed. But Jesus knows your name. I want you to notice in verse 1 that it says that as he entered Jericho, he being Jesus, and was passing through. Now that sounds like a casual stroll. He was on his way, just happened to be going to Jericho. So as I'm on my way to the car, I've got to go down the sidewalk and through the parking lot to where my car is parked. I'm just kind of passing through. But remember where Jesus is in Luke chapter 19. He's on his way to the cross. He only has a few days to live. This is not a casual stroll. This is not a Sunday outing. Jesus is on the most deadly, serious business that has ever been known to mankind. It would be easy for him to take no notice of a man like Zacchaeus. Jesus has a lot on his mind. Not only that, but look at the person with whom Jesus interacts. In verse 2, it says this. 
He entered Jericho, was passing through, and behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, to, to the people of Jesus' day, that title, chief tax collector, said it all. Zacchaeus was a despicable character. I'm not talking about someone who's deluded and confused and they're a fan of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> We're not talking about someone with whom we have a friendly rivalry, although, you know, Doug Herman prayed in the first service. He wore an orange shirt. He had to rub in the Webster thing. He couldn't, he couldn't let it go. We need to talk about how to appropriately church discipline somebody that, that does that. I got I to gotta figure that out. Zacchaeus wasn't just kind of not a nice guy. He was a traitor. He was a villain to his own people. He oppressed his own people. He stole from his own people. He robbed from his own people. Why? So he could line his own pockets. So here's Jesus on his way to the cross. If there's anyone that Jesus shouldn't spend time with, it's this guy, because he certainly doesn't deserve to have Jesus in his house like we deserve to have Jesus in our house, right? <laughs> Despicable fellow, cheater, liar, traitor, greedy. He's also, in some ways, a stranger. Look at verse 3. Not only was he a chief tax collector, rich, but he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. He had heard about him. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to not hear in, in their culture, in their day, it's kind of hard not to hear that a guy walked on water. It'd be pretty difficult to kind of bury your head in the sand and not learn that he had fed 5,000 people on at least two different occasions, that he that he'd spoken to people who were dead, and they had literally, the life had been breathed back into them. But Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. He had heard about him, and his curiosity was piqued. And there was something about the personality of Jesus, there was something about the way he went about his life, that a despicable fellow thought he might want to check this out. He might want to see what's going on. But he had no previous interaction. He, in his mind, was a stranger to Jesus. And certainly Zacchaeus knew his own reputation. And certainly Zacchaeus had to wonder, would Jesus really want to spend time with a person like me? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Have you ever had that, that moment of clarity, that moment of, of true honesty when nobody else is looking and you're really thinking about your own heart and, and what really lives there and you've said, if there is a God, I'm sure I'm not on the list. I've had people from time to time in my life say, you know, Tom, I, you know, I want to talk to you about this sin or that sin. And my usual reaction is to say to myself, and if they only knew all the other ones. I would imagine that Zacchaeus wasn't, he was curious, he was hopeful, but I'm also guessing he was guarded in his own spirit, knowing really deep down inside who he was, whether or not Jesus would have time for him. But what does Jesus say to Zacchaeus in verse 5? He says, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. <laughs> would you hurry and get down? Why? Because I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. I know you, Zacchaeus. I know everything about you, and I want to spend time time with you. Zacchaeus, or Jesus knew the heart of Zacchaeus, and he still wanted to have lunch with him. I don't know how many of you are really big country and western fans, but you may have heard of this guy, but I, I'm pals with a guy named Thomas Rhett, and I think we've got his picture there on the screen. He was in St. Louis last week with, with Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia line, and, uh, and he went through the crowd in one of his songs. He got up, and he went out, got off the stage, and he had three or four big burly uh, guards around him and he went around and he was slapping high fives and people were grabbing they were trying to grab his coat and they were trying to you know hold on to his hand and shake his hand and he came by me and he looked me right in the eye and I just held up my fist and we fist pumped 
and he gave me a look like, thank you for not grabbing me. <laughs> and I, it really was a look of friendship. And I quote, don't quite understand why he hasn't called yet, why he hasn't invited me to <laughs> kind of be a roadie and, and go on the road with him or something. I'm sure we'll have lunch one of these days. Um, but it would be easy for Jesus in that kind of setting to look right past Zacchaeus like Thomas Rhett really did honestly look right through me. I do think he was glad I fist pumped him and didn't try, to, didn't try to grab him. Not only is Zacchaeus a guy that we would say isn't worth spending time with, but Jesus has a lot of people around him who are demanding his time and who are wanting his attention. I don't, I'm not sure why you're here today. might be to celebrate, and I think we should. Maybe because you're curious and you live in the neighborhood, and you're like, okay, what is this all about? We want to we come find out what, what might be happening here. It might be that you're here because you'd like to be seen, because you, you know maybe there's some good business contacts or some good, good relational contacts that, that you want to make within the, within the Green Tree Church community. I don't know what brought you here this morning. Only God knows that, but Jesus knows you. He knows you're here. He knows I'm here. He knows our name. He knows everything about us. So even the stuff you don't want anybody else to know, he already knows it. And he's thrilled to be with you this morning. You got to hear that. Most of us think, boy, if God knew my sin, he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. And that is exactly the opposite of the truth. God knows all your sin. He knows all my sin. Mine's probably a lot worse than yours. And Jesus knows our name. He wants to be with us. Why is that? Well, it's because the second, not only does Jesus know your name, but when Jesus is in the house, he is compelled by compassion. Look at verse 5, if you would. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Notice where the emphasis is in that statement. Jesus knows Zacchaeus is sin. We've just said that. He knows he has an evil heart. We know that Jesus knows that nobody loves Zacchaeus, but he can't resist caring for him. Why is that? Because that's the character of God. The character of God is a character of grace and compassion. It's the character of God to look at a guy like Zacchaeus and say there's something worth saving there. There's, there's something in him that needs the love and the compassion of God. And the same is true for you and us this morning. Jesus knows us. He knows we need his grace more than we need anything else in the entire world. We might be able to fool some other people. We might even be able to fool ourselves, but we can't fool Jesus. But in all of that, Jesus is compelled by compassion to love people like you and me. Thirdly, not only does Jesus know our name, not only is he compelled by compassion, but Jesus ignores the haters when he's in the house. Look at verses 6 and 7. So Zacchaeus does what? He hurries. He comes down. And he comes down joyfully. There's that word joyful again. And they go over to Zacchaeus' house, right? But what happens? When they saw it, they, the people around Jesus, the crowd, the entourage, as it were, probably even maybe some of his disciples, what do they do? They grumble. They get self-righteous, and they begin to say, well, what's he doing going to eat with this man? Doesn't he know that he's a sinner? Now, remember, the people that hung around with Jesus, you and I would probably say those are good church folk. Those are folks that look really good on the outside. They're, they behave themselves. They do the right thing. They're not like Zacchaeus. They don't steal from their own countrymen. They don't, they don't oppress their own neighbors. Th those, those folks are nice folks. But isn't it interesting that church folks tend to ignore their own sin, and attack others for theirs. I'm pretty quick to give myself a pass when I gossip, but don't you do it. Let me find out about it, because I'll gossip about you to other people that you're gossiping, right? That's, that's how it works, isn't it? And somehow we're blind 
to our own sin. And we point it out in others. But notice that Jesus doesn't even talk to them. He ignores the haters. There's no interaction between Jesus and those people because he knows what's really in the depths of their hearts. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Cindy was out in Hawaii where our daughter Katie lives, and she just had her, her very first baby, Katie and Richard, their first child. So mama's got to go be with the baby, right? I mean, that's just how daddy gets to pay and mama gets to go. So Cindy's out in Hawaii, and lo and behold, right down the street from where Katie and Richard live, they're filming an episode of Hawaii Five-0. So Cindy's sitting out on the porch, and she gets her little phone camera thing out, and she videos about a 30-second clip, and she, and she sends it to me via email. So I get this email on my phone, which I have a hard time working, and, you know, hey, look at this video of Hawaii Five-0. So I open it up. My, now, my whole screen's about that big, and the video on the screen is about this big. So I'm literally looking at this going, what? And, and if you stare at it like and, and play it like eight times in a row, what you figure out is that it looks like way down the street there are two guys getting out of the car and going across the street. That's the whole video. And you've got to work hard to figure that out. So being the loving husband that I am and missing my wife terribly, I send a text back and I say, compelling television. <laughs> to which she writes back, haters got to hate, I guess. <laughs> See, she had, all y'all are here Wednesday night, she had y'all fooled. There's another side of Cindy. No. Haters got to hate, but you know what? That's right. That's what haters do. Haters hate. Jesus gives no credence to the self-righteous. He didn't do it then, and he doesn't do it now. And he isn't going to allow their message to win the day. He isn't going to let somebody else judging his motives or his actions stop him from saving somebody just like you and somebody just like me. That's how big his grace and his compassion is. So he ignores the haters. But fourthly, I have four observations. Fourthly, when Jesus is in the house, he brings life. Look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stands up in the front of everybody. He says, Lord, behold, today half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. So we don't know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. We don't have any, anything written down about the conversation. But clearly it was life-changing. Clearly we're dealing with a different man. Because he's gone from being greedy and manipulative and hateful and destructive to being the most generous guy in the neighborhood. Now, he's, he, he's a baby Christian. He's been a Christian for about three minutes, so he doesn't quite have it all exactly right because he says, if I've defrauded anyone. <laughs> That's like saying, if I hope Kirkwood wins the bell this year against Webster. I mean, what a foolish statement. Yeah, Zach, you've defrauded a few people. He says, you know what, if that's the case, I'll pay him back four times. If he stole $100 from me, he's going to give you $400. If he stole $1,000 from me, he's going to give you $4,000. And half of everything he has, he's going to give to the poor. In other words, Zacchaeus is going to empty most of his pockets. Why? Because he's a different man with different priorities. His priorities are now grace and compassion. Why? Because Jesus is in his house. And when Jesus comes in the house, he brings life. Look at verse 9. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, says to the crowd, says, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. Two quick things about this. He looks at Zacchaeus and he says, this house is good now, brother. It's all good. Why? Because you've come to salvation through me. Think about how bold that claim is. 
and you come to Green Tree Community Church or you go across the street to Unity Baptist Church, neither one of those pastors are going to say, believe in me. If we do, you should run us out of town. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you're saved because of me. What's Jesus saying? I'm God, and you've come to the right place for salvation. And so Zacchaeus is spoken to directly by Jesus. And he looks up and says, today this house has experienced salvation. But then it says, he also, then he says, he also, right, Zacchaeus, he is a son of Abraham, right? So now he's not talking to Zacchaeus anymore. Now he's talking to the people around him. Now he's talking to the haters, the people who think they're okay in their salvation because they think they're better than Zacchaeus. And he says, guess what, friends? He's actually the one who's the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the patriarch of the Old Testament. Abraham was a man of what? Faith. Thank you very much. Abraham was a man of faith. And what Jesus is saying is Zacchaeus has become a man of faith. He's put his trust in the right place. So all you haters out there, you might want to think about where your faith is because it may very well be that it's in the wrong place. Why does he say that? Because Jesus wants to bring life to everyone. Just because he doesn't respond to the haters doesn't mean he doesn't love them and care for them and want them to come to salvation because if you look at verse 10, that's God's intention all along. Jesus says the Son of Man, he's talking about himself. If you're new to studying the Bible and you're reading in the Gospels and the first four books of the New Testament and you read that, that term, Son of Man, that's the name that Jesus gives to himself. It's out of the Old Testament book of Daniel. And Jesus says because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God's intention all along is to bring grace, to bring forgiveness, and to bring new life. You see, the truth of the matter is Zacchaeus didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Zacchaeus. He had, a, he had an appointment with him that day for salvation. So how do we apply this? Well, the question isn't, will Jesus be in this house? And that's not, not the question because we're really good people and Jesus wants to be around us, right? The question isn't, let's invite Jesus into our house because, friends, he's already here because Jesus doesn't wait for an invitation. He doesn't wait for us to say, hey, Jesus, would you come in to, to 100 Kirkwood Place and please bless this building because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't ask anybody's permission for anything. He's, he's the Savior. He's the conquering King. So our question isn't whether or not we're going to invite Jesus in. He's already here. Really the twofold question, one's personal and one's missional. The personal one is this, what will I do? Jesus is calling my name and he's offering me salvation today. Just as he called Zacchaeus 2,000 years ago, he's saying to you today, saying to every person in this room, believe in me and you'll be saved. Trust that what I did on the cross paid for your sins, and you can now have, instead of eternal separation from God, an eternal agony, you can now have eternal joy and thanksgiving because of what I have done. All you have to do is trust in me. Is our trust in the Jesus of compassion. Because it's not just about his motives and his attitude of, of, of offering salvation. It's also what we do. How do we respond? Will we put our trust in him? But then secondly, as we do, I think probably lots of folks in this room have put their faith in Jesus. As we do, will we join his mission? So you've been here in 17 years, 17 years, 17 years, and, 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 I, and I've appreciated that so much. And now we put that to bed and we say, what's next, Lord Jesus? How do we join you? How do we follow you going forward? 
How does this place serve as an instrument of your grace and your compassion and your mercy? Because as full as this room is this morning, the first service was just as full. There's lots of people in Kirkwood and Glendale and the Pear and Rock Hill and, and, and everywhere around St. Louis that need to hear about the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Will we be a people through whom his grace flows to others? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. That he met a man who we would, we would cross the street to get away from. We wouldn't want to be seen with him. And he sought him out. Because that's what the Son of Man does. He seeks and he saves the lost. Father, thank you for this joyful morning. Thank you that we can just sit and, and just revel in what you have done. And I'm so glad that, that Craig started off the service with his prayer because I'd have never made it through. <laughs> I thank you for what he prayed. Lord, we, we, we are going to just pause and enjoy this morning. But Lord, may it just be that. May it be just a blink of an eye, a pause. And then may we say, Lord Jesus, where are you going? What are you doing? And how do we come along with you? How does your grace flow through us? Please use us. As, a, as our mission statement says, in joyful obedience. Not so that people look at us and they'll say, oh, aren't they good people? But that they won't even see us, but what they'll see is a glorious and compassionate and merciful Savior in whom they will also put their trust. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you've provided, and we pray that you would use us now to build your kingdom. And we pray in your name. Amen. Stand in worship. a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed risen from the dead and I will a day that's drawing when this darkness breaks to light and the shadows disappear and my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has
seated. Well, good morning again, and I, I promise that's the last good morning. I, I'm it, so you're almost done. Uh, in fact, I don't think it's morning anymore. I think it's afternoon now anyway, but uh, so good afternoon. My name is Jeremy Biedenbaugh, and I know many of you here will be wondering uh, who I am and what I'm doing here, but I used to be one of the pastors on staff here at Green Tree Community Church just uh, a little over six years uh, my time here. And they were six uh, great and glorious years. Uh, not so much for you, but for me. Um, and they were great because of uh, people like Tom Ricks and people like Mindy Owens. Uh, and really the whole church, uh, and I tried not to get emotional in the first service, and I'll try this time too. But this whole church uh, loved me, cared for me, ministered to me. And uh, you were all so patient as I fumbled my way through my first years of ministries and the many mistakes that I made. So thank you so much, and uh, it, it really is a privilege and honor for me to be here and be part of this day. Tom asked me just to briefly give you a charge to the congregation in this uh, new moment in the new building, and I wanted to do that from a short but very powerful verse, Romans eleven thirty six, and it's right here where Paul is breaking out into song and starting to praise the goodness and the majesty of God, and he says this, he says, for from him, that's God, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. He says, from him, through him and to him are all things. All things includes all of history. All things includes all of your life. All things includes this moment and this building and these facilities because our God is so great. So powerful, so majestic that he is able to incorporate all things into his purposes and into his plans. And what Paul is saying there, he says all things are from him. God is the giver. All things are through him. He is the driver. All things are to him. He is the goal. Our God is a giver. Our God is a giver of good things. If you have anything good in your life, if you have anything even remotely interesting happening in your life is from God. Out of his undeserved mercy, he had it and he just gave it to you free. He's the giver. And this building, this space, these facilities, these grounds are all his. And they are gracious gifts from a good God to you. You say, well, ho hold on a minute. God didn't just like snap and make it appear, right? Like we worked for years and planned and strategy and fundraising. And we, we did a lot of stuff too. And it is right and good to honor and encourage each other in all the work that, that all of you have put in. Some of it very unnoticed and behind the scenes. But Paul says God's not just a giver, he's the driver. He says all things come through him. That means every 
breath, every heartbeat, every resource utilized, every mental faculty that you had to plan, every physical faculty you had in order to build, it all came through him. It was his, and he, we, we didn't work hard for what we've got. We worked hard with what we received from God. He's the driver of all things, and if he's the driver of all things, that means he's always what? He's always with us. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That means just like he was, he was faithful to you before eternity passed, he's been faithful for the last 17 years to bring you here. That means he's going to be faithful for the next 17 and into the eternity of the future. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's, all things are from him. He's the giver. They're all through him. He is the driver. But they're all, Paul says, all things are to him, which means he is the goal of all things, our lives and all of history. He is the goal. And here's what that means. That means every gift that is from Jesus is also a gift that's for Jesus. This is not just a gift. It is a tool. It's not just a gift. It's a tool given by, by God. And there's a difference in a gift and a tool, right? Like I thought about my grandfather. He gave me gifts every year, birthday and Christmas. I don't remember hardly any of them. But about 10 years ago when he passed away, he gave me his tools. And when I use his hammer... I think about him. And when I use his hammer, I remember that, that it, is, it, it, is, it was a gift, but ultimately it was a tool to accomplish a mission and to accomplish a, a, a task. That's, that's, what it, that's what it's for. And a gift, what happens to a gift? A gift, you get old, you get, you get tired, it grows, it, it loses its luster, right? But a tool is renewed. Every time you use it, every time you have a new task, a new mission, you get the tool out and it's new again. This building is a tool. I, I, I'm thankful to my grandfather for the hammer he gave me, but I honor him when I use it well. So Green Tree Community Church, use this building and this facility well. Use it for the purposes and the glory of God. And understand that if you use it not just as a gift, as a tool, it's going to get messed up. It, it's going to, problems are going to occur. It's going to get messy, stain, spill. I thought about Tom having just a big thing of Kool-Aid and just pouring it out up here and just breaking it in for you, but I decided against that. Um, I thought it'd be bad for him, um, but it is going to get dinged up and scratched up, and it's going to have marks and scars uh, on it. And, and if you if you're wise, you, if you're the one doing the damage, if you're the perpetrator of the damage in the building, just learn from me and my history of ministry. What I would do, what I always did, is if you do the damage, just blame the youth. <laughs> blame the youth. Everyone will always believe they're the ones that did it. Sorry, Eric, Elisa. Um, no, don't do that. But if you do it, th there are going to be marks and scars, and the building's going to get used and worn. But those will be marks and scars of God's grace. Because this building never is and it never was the mission. Jesus is our mission. Spreading his glory is our mission. Spreading his gospel is our mission. The gospel that says we have a Savior who loves sinners, sinners like me and sinners like you. That is the mission that we have, and this is a tool to accomplish the mission. When I take that hammer and I hit the nail or my thumb, whatever happens, uh, I don't look at the hammer and go, is it okay? Is it scratched? Is it dinged? No, I ask, am I accomplishing the task for which it was given? So never stop asking, is, are we using this building, are we using this facility for the purpose and glory of Jesus? Because one day, hundreds if not thousands of people will gather around the throne of God and say, I came to know and experience the love and the mercy and the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
because of the people of Green Tree Community Church. And then they will say, but it was not ultimately them, it was him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let me pray for us, pray for you. Father, may we revel in the fact that all things are from you, through you, and to you. May you receive the glory for this and all the other precious gifts and moments of mercy in our lives. Lord, may this building, this space become a beacon, a city on a hill, as Tom prayed earlier. Lord, may it be uh, a beacon of hope and truth and grace and light to this community and beyond. May it be well used for the sake of your purpose, your mission and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, family, will you stand and sing the doxology with us? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye. Once again, just thank you for being with us. Uh, I mean, people have come from all over. Jeff Peters came from Hayden to be with us. Carl came from Hilton Head. Thank you for I don't know if you guys have been around a long time. Looked up and saw Carl. I know Carl's playing bass this morning, uh, but he's been gone for six years, so it's, it's, it's good. To have. But thank you all for being here. Pastor Spiller, thank you for sharing your morning with us. We, we genuinely are humbled by that. Appreciate that. And if, if we misbehave as neighbors, just, just let me know and I'll, I'll find it. I'll blame it on the youth. Um, <laughs> at Green Tree, when we offer the benediction, I invite the congregation to hold their hands out because a benediction is a blessing. It's a hug. So receive the Lord's blessing that I gladly offer to you in his name. May the grace and the mercy and the peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest upon and dwell in each one of you who believe in him until the day you see him face to face. Amen. The Lord bless you. Go in peace.